0: Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil.
1: Hey, friends, and welcome to the Happy Hour with Jamie Ivy podcast. I'm your host, Jamie, and I'm so glad you're here. Each week on this show, I invite a girlfriend to join me, and we chat about the big things in life, the little things in life, and everything in between. Support for today's show comes from Prep Dish, a healthy subscription based meal planning service. No more thinking about your meals, you guys. Let Prep Dish do all the planning for you. Sign up and you'll receive an email with a grocery list, prep ahead instructions so that all of your meals are ready for the week. Let's take out all the guesswork and let Prep Dish do it for you. Right now, Allison, the founder of Prep Dish, is offering you $4 for a month long trial. That's right, you get to try it out for only $1 per week. Go to PrepDish.com slash happy hour to get your first month of PrepDish for only $4. Friends, you are listening to episode number 211. And my guest for today is Sonia Richards-Ross. Sonia is a four-time Olympic gold medalist. Yes, you heard that right. She's married to a former NFL football player and mama to a really cute little boy. It was really fun to talk to my first Olympian on the happy hour. Not only Olympian, four-time gold medalist. Sonia and I talk about what it looks like at the Olympics, how her training went down, and what it's like to be the fastest woman in the world. At the end, Sonia shares a super personal story with us about what happened before she left America to go to the 2008 Olympics. You're gonna wanna hold tight to hear her story about what went down, but what I want you to really listen for is the way that God was faithful throughout her whole mess. That's what we talk about here on The Happy Hour. God is faithful to us, and we see that in Sonia's story as well. Guys, this month for our Happy Hour Book Club, we are reading my book, If you only knew my unlikely, unavoidable story Becoming Free, I'd love for you to join us and share with me all the ways that you're enjoying your own Happy Hour Book Club. Use the hashtag Happy Hour Book Club. Okay, friends, here is my conversation with Sonia. Hey, Sonia, welcome to the Happy Hour. Hey, Jamie. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to be here. This is so great. Now, (laughs) I need to let you know a few things just so like everything's out in the open. All righty. Okay. I'm a little bit (laughs) giddy. Okay. Because you're an Olympian. Aw. You're far too kind. That's a really big deal. Thank you. You know it is, right? Please say most days,
2: most days. (laughs) I think when you live it and you've experienced it your entire life, it doesn't it's not as big of a deal As when other people remind me of what a big deal it is. And I'm like, man, it really it really was that awesome. And
1: I mean, are there stats on how many Olympians there have ever been? You know what? Um, Especially gold
2: medalists. You know, it's so funny. I was at an event and there was this really cool announcer. If I said his name, you'd know who he was. But I'm the worst with names. And he said something like he said a stat like you could fill like the giant stadium 10 times over and you would still only potentially have one Olympic gold medalist. And I was like, Oh my what are those numbers? You know, but it's, I don't do that kind of research and I don't, I don't know exactly, but I know it's, Really rare to find Olympic gold medalist amongst us. Are you a four-time gold medalist? (laughs) I'm a four-time gold medalist and I have one bronze and I'm a multiple world champion, maybe somewhere nine or 13, something like that. World championship medals as well. Gold medals. Yeah.
1: And you ran track? Yes. The quarter and the eight, the quarter and the... No,
2: and the four by four. So, well, I actually ran the 200 as well. So I did mainly the sprints. The Mm -hmm. 400 was my specialty. I ran the 200 a bit and ran the 200 in the Olympics also. And then the four by four relay.
1: And that's where you won the gold. Yes. Four by four. Did you win gold in the 400? Yes. Did you,
2: did you hold the world record at one time? So I, I won the 400 um, in London. I was bronze in Beijing and I won the four by four relay with my teammates at the Athens Olympics, Beijing and London. So three Olympics in a row. Um, and I have the American record. So I'm the fastest American to ever run the 400 and I still hold that record. What's the time? 48.7 seconds.
1: Wow. <laughs> okay so let me just give you a little bit of my background yes. because last time the olympics were on which the olympics were where last they were in rio in 2016. yes mm-hmm. so as every american mm-hmm. we love watching the olympics course, right so yes. like i mean i like winter olympics but yeah. let's be real like i really love the summer olympics Thank because you. i was a, i ran track in high school oh nice that's where i'm getting okay <laughs> so um i actually you probably did this as well i ran did you ran? did you ran summer track when you were going up okay me too of course where'd you live
2: well i was born in jamaica and then we migrated to south florida so i lived in pembroke pines and went to high school in fort lauderdale so okay. i lived in florida for high school when i did summer track and all who'd that you stuff run in for States. in summer track so our high school team had a small track team i didn't i wasn't a part of a big summer track club so our high school kind of just went under the same high school name okay. and we competed okay um so saint thomas aquinas high
1: i love it i mm-hmm. ran for wings which is in um houston okay, nice. and i actually was telling the story to somebody the other day someone tell it to you real quick so when i It was I sixth grade. We moved to a new town. Mm -hmm. I go to school and I go out for track team, right? Uh And I'm white, clearly. (laughs) I mean, you may not know that if you're listening for the first time, but I'm white. Just so everyone knows. And so I go out for the Mm -hmm. track team or whatever. And one of the girls at school says, hey, I have my dad's a coach of a track. We run all summer. Do you want to come? And I was like, sure. So I go. Um, When my dad and I walk up, we go up and everyone there is black except for, I don't know, like five people, Uh right? so we go find the coach and mm-hmm. we're like he's like hey this is my daughter jamie mm-hmm. she wants to run track he's like cool you can go over there on the other side of the field and he sent me to the race walkers <laughs> so no he did it yes he did hey nothing wrong with race walkers <laughs> no, because those it. people are legit with course, what they do absolutely they move their hips in ways yes. i don't even know what's happening yeah and okay so race walking you have to have both feet on the ground at the right like okay yes. so mm-hmm. he sends me to the race walkers well i'm like okay whatever so i go over there and they start telling me what to do and i'm like i do not want to be a walker i want to run i want to run <laughs> and so i had to kind of prove myself and so i ended up back on the mm-hmm. team and um so when the olympics come out yes i always get out my medals from the junior olympics oh, to wow. show my wow wow that's I brought, cool uh, because my mom framed them because when you're in eighth grade that's what your mom does yes funny thing about these medals is that I have taken them with me to every single house. I am 40 years old. Okay. I am 40 years old. I ran in the junior Olympics. I stopped when I was in ninth grade. Wow. So we're talking, these medals are old. old. I pull them out and show my my kids. I love it. It's a huge achievement. The junior Olympics is a big deal. I ran a 59. That was my fastest. Nice. In eighth grade. I, I peaked yeah. and then I was done. <laughs> so see, we have more in common than you thought. We're yeah. both Olympians. <laughs> <laughs> but man it is a huge achievement so thank you congrats congrats
2: i really appreciate
1: that it's thank really you great so, so do you, you still how old
2: are you i have to always think now isn't that crazy i am 33 okay 85. So So how
1: old were you when you ran in the last Olympics? That would have been, was was the last one London? (gasps) Yes.
2: My last one was London. It was 2012. So that's been six six years ago. Yeah. Yeah, So I was what, 28, I guess,
1: right? Yeah. Something like that. We'll go with it.
2: Yeah.
1: (laughs) Did you retire? Yeah. So I officially
2: retired in 2016. So after 2012, I had been running on a broken toe for like, four or five years. Like Um, your toe was literally a broken big toe. Like it was really bad. I had to tape it for every practice, every competition. It was really bad. So after the 2012 Olympics, I decided I'd finally have the surgery that the doctors had been recommending for me for years. And I had the surgery. It wasn't successful in 2013. So I didn't compete that entire year. Had a second surgery in 20 at the end of 2013 on my big toe on in 2013. The end of that year, I had a second surgery. I competed in 2014 and 15 and got back to number one in the world. But I had a freak accident on a plane. I'm sleeping in business class and this guy literally steps on my toe. No. And I had two screws in my toe and he broke my toe. And I had to have a third surgery before 2016. And I started to come back into form, but then I pulled my hamstring. And I was like, you know what? It's time. <laughs> Quality of life is more important than chasing more gold medals. And so I retired actually at the Olympic trials in 2016. You know, you could have gone, right? Yeah. I mean, and that's the hardest part about it. But I'm also a woman of faith and I know everything happens the way it's supposed to. But i guess you know everybody asked me if i have any regrets in life and that's the only thing if i could have done differently i probably would not have had that surgery because i won the olympics last one yeah no not any of them the first one is what you're like i've been running on this for years i had been running on it and it's so funny because when you're in the moment sometimes here's a little teaching moment you know you think things are really awful and then you don't realize that they really could be worse Mm. you know and so i i I believe what the doctors kept telling me oh it's a simple surgery It's you're going to get all this mobility I came out the surgery with no mobility in my big toe, like literally, I mean, it was as stiff as a board. And so that is if I have a regret, the only big regret I have of my career is that I I wish I never had that surgery because I think I could have gone to 2016 and possibly won another medal and then retired the way I really wanted to. But it's all good.
1: (laughs) That stinks. okay? so the man that stepped on your toe. Yeah, Immediately you knew something happened.
2: It's, you know, the crazy part about that too. So I was, I was actually asleep with my eye shades on, uh-huh. on the plane. Cause I used to sleep with those. I couldn't sleep with light and I didn't even see the person that did it. Cause like, I literally like came out and I was like, I, I was like wincing in pain. Immediately started crying cause it was so painful and I leaned forward and I'm crying. And I pull my shades off and I don't see the person. And so I never don't knew even know who did I it. I never knew who stepped on my foot. And I'm like, to this day, I'm like, maybe it was a good thing because I would have probably had such a grudge you towards would have, this like, person seen their face. And yeah, like, oh. exactly. Yeah. So I don't know who did it. Um, and yeah, I had to have a surgery like a month after that because it was so severe. <gasps> And yeah, that kind you know of what else? it out. makes me
1: think of mm-hmm. uh, like this is you're an uh, you're an Olympic athlete, so you're in like the best shape, right? right. That anyone's ever been in. Mm-hmm. And you think about like a, your yes. little toe. I mean, mm-hmm. it's your big toe, but still, it's a small yes. part of your body. Absolutely. And look how much it affected you. Absolutely, absolutely. I mean, we could take that. We could do all kinds of examples with this. Yeah, yeah. I mean, think about even like if you're like, man, I don't do much for the kingdom. My gifts are right. so little. Right. No, they actually really matter. True. And if you're not walking in your gifting, like if your big toe can't do what your big toe needs to do,
2: the whole body suffers. Yeah, no, I mean, it definitely kept things in perspective for me too. And, And like you said, things that seem small, they have a huge impact. And especially now with the way the world is, sometimes we do feel overwhelmed. Like what we do, our contributions don't matter. And, you realize that, yeah, you're an important part of the body yeah. and that you have to do what you are called to do because it does make a difference. Even if it's for one person, yeah. it makes all the difference. So
1: so you said you're a woman of faith. I am, which I knew that. Yes. And that's why you're here. <laughs> yes. Tell me about, did you grow up? I know you grew up in Jamaica. Did you grow yeah. up in a Christian home? What did that look like for you?
2: Yeah. So I was born in Jamaica and my parents are both Rastafarians. And so I don't um, know what that means. Yeah. So my parents, my, both my parents have dreadlocks and, um, they believe they they aren't like devout they weren't devout Christians when I was growing up um, but they believe in God and my you know the Rastafarian beliefs are kind of about the way a way of living is they that don't, a religion? I don't know if they would call it a, I a guess, way of life uh, just a way of life okay. I think more so um, they don't eat certain foods no red meats no porks no things like that uh, they believe in just being kind and just it's just a it's just a really great way of living um, they're really great people they're really great people mm-hmm. and um and when my my mom's eldest sister was the one who really um once she moved out and everything really got into the church and so when we moved to south florida that's when my mom and, and myself and my sister really got involved in the church and i gave my life to christ and that's when and my mom's a christian too so mm-hmm. even though she still has her rastafarian ways and you know that kind of loving spirit that she has from jamaica still lives in her you know she identifies as a christian as well so i didn't grow up in the church initially my grandma went to church a lot. But we didn't go with her when I was younger. But by the time I moved to South Florida, I really fell in love with the church and started to have my own relationship with Christ. And when I moved to Texas for school, found a really great church home and a really good church guy. And you know, now we just have a yeah, it's just amazing. So,
1: so you moved to what? What brought y'all to Florida?
2: Um, so my mom's eldest sister was there, and she kept telling her, you know, if you want the girls to get a scholarship for school, and you want them to have greater opportunities. The sooner you move to the States, the better those chances are for them. And so we migrated when I was um, 11 or 12. I told this story so many times and i have forgotten. And so I went to eighth grade. I was in eighth grade and then went to St. Thomas Aquinas High School in Fort Lauderdale. And I got a scholarship to the University of Texas and So, yeah, our parents moved like, you know, a lot of parents do for their kids and wanting us to have a better life and greater opportunities.
1: So you ran at UT. Yes. I'm super excited this year because for the first time ever, we got season tickets. Oh, awesome. So we're going to the games. I'm so excited. Cool. It's going to be a great season. Yes, I can
2: feel it. Good times. That's awesome.
1: Okay, so let's talk about marriage with two people who have. Two careers yeah um i think this is a question that i get often sure. with my husband and i both having careers and yeah. people saying how do you manage it all because yeah. you clearly were training which is a career it was mm-hmm. your job mm-hmm. your husband was playing in the nfl It's sure. his job yep. um what did that look like for you guys to still go okay we support each other yeah and we still got to work our tails off at sure. our individual things absolutely
2: you know it's i think for us because that's all we knew when we mm-hmm. met each other in college uh, college sport was as intense as it was for him going professional and for me as well and so we kind of found a way and i think it made our relationship very strong and unique because we didn't argue as much because we didn't spend like the time that we had together was always so valuable so priceless We didn't have that
1: much we didn't have that
2: much yeah. when he would be in training camp or his season started and my, our, it kind of worked out perfectly where my season would end right when his was about to start. So we would wrap our season end of August, early September, which is when the football season mm-hmm. would usually start. So I might miss his preseason games, but then I'm there and I'm there supporting him. And I understand what it takes to be a great athlete. And so in many ways, I think it helped our relationship because I'm That's like, hey, true. you got to get to bed, you got to eat, you know, and I, I was there for him and vice versa in his off season. He was always there for me. So it really helped us because we just had this tremendous awareness around the commitment that it took to be Mm -hmm. a professional athlete, but I'm not going to pretend like it was always easy. You know, there were times where it was very difficult because sometimes I want, I needed him to be somewhere and he couldn't be there. And I'm like, man. And then sometimes I felt inadequate as a wife. Like I should be with my husband. I should be there. I should do certain things for him that I just physically couldn't be there to do. Um, And so we struggled at times about striking that perfect balance. But I think ultimately when you love somebody um, and I do believe wholeheartedly that when people are doing what they're called to do, what they love to do, they're better friends and Mm -hmm. spouses and lovers. And so I think for him, he saw that when I was running and I was doing what I love to do, I was a better wife to him. And so even though sometimes I wasn't physically there, he could always feel that love. And so I think that's kind of how we made it through. But, you know, we had our challenges. I'm sure. Just like everybody does.
1: Um, Okay. So let's talk about faith sure and let's talk about what that looks like yeah um just out in the world like mm-hmm. I, I don't necessarily mean like as, a, as an athlete sure but just for all of us mm-hmm. being around people who don't share our same faith sure what has that been like for you mm-hmm. of being in the spotlight yeah and still trying to stick to the yeah. boundaries and the behaviors and sure. the truths you believe to be true. You know, for me,
2: I think I've always been a person who I'm not the one who I try to just lead by example and to just show up in the world the way I believe that Jesus would. I don't go out and preach on people or try to judge or criticize. So ultimately for me, I think how I've experienced my faith as a star athlete is you know, when it's a, when I feel moved or it's appropriate, I share it. Yeah. And and I've, I've, it's so funny because I have like a really short memory, right? So a lot of things I forget. And I'll never forget one of the most meaningful moments of my career. I was in a room and we were having Bible study because a lot of times we have chaplains who travel with us to these different competitions. Wait, And
1: when you're a professional athlete, yep. you have yep. people travel with you yep. that lead chapel. Yes. How do I get that job? <laughs> like, oh my gosh. Like that's yeah. their paid job.
2: I don't know how much they get paid for it, but I know like USA Track and Field, like if we're in the Olympics, there's a chaplain there. And if you're at the World Championships, we have chaplains there. And I don't
1: know. If I would they... have never known. that. I mean, I know yeah. they have chaplains for the professional teams. Sure, hmm but I, I would never thought about. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Carry on. So I love we. That.
2: And a lot of times, uh, many of the chaplains that we have are ex athletes, okay, ex Olympians yeah. who, you know, are like, hey, this is important to us. And they they make it a priority to come and travel with yeah. us. I'm sure the USOC and USA Track and Field, whichever organization funds their trip. I don't know if they're technically getting paid yeah. to do that. <laughs>
1: they're like, we just want to give back. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, so,
2: to them. so I'm at this um, event, uh, at this Bible study, and there's probably about 30 of my peers in the room. And I was towards the end of my career, and we're Talking about all these different things, and I remember saying, I, I can't remember exactly what led to this moment, but I said something like, "You know, I wish throughout my career I've done, I would have done more. I wish I would have taken moments to to share with with some of my, you know, my teammates and colleagues and pray with them." and I, I kid you not, Jamie, at least 10 people in that room said, wait, wait a minute. I remember once when mm. I finished a race and I was down and you came over and you held my hand and you prayed with me. And another teammate who said, I remember when you came to my room and you knocked on my door. And I was like, oh, my God, like. You know, because I tried to be used by God and not force these mm-hmm. things, I just when the moment was right, I did them, and I didn't do it for any other reason other than f- for what I thought God wanted me to do. And I and it brought me to tears because I thought, man, I have been allowing mm-hmm. God to use me, and I have said those things where people will email or text me after a race and said, man, like I really appreciate you being a woman of faith and having the courage to say this or that, and it never felt like that to me because I was just doing what yeah. came naturally. So. Yeah. You know, it's been a good experience and I've never had any flack or negativity, to be honest, Mm -hmm. where I felt like, oh, I wish I didn't say that or I felt or not that I wish I didn't say it, but was that the right place Mm -hmm. to say that? I've never really been. I've never really experienced that. I've been very fortunate because I think God has just covered me um, on my journey.
1: You guys, in January of 2024, I made a commitment to myself. I wanted to get stronger, which meant I needed to get in the gym, which means I needed to move my body in different ways. You guys know I love to walk. Whether you prefer to run outdoors, row or ride at home, or strength train at the gym, Peloton has something for you. I personally love a good 45-minute hip-hop class. It gets me moving. It gets me excited. It's my favorite genre of music, just ask my kids. Get a head start on summer with Peloton at OnePeloton.com. That's OnePeloton.com.
0: Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh,
1: Yeah. So when you're running at like the world. Yes. I don't even know. World championships. Mm -hmm. That meet, that competition
2: is paying you. Yes. Perfect. Yep. So they'll pay you a prize money. And then of course your sponsor. Wait, do you get
1: paid based on? The pro- the place you yes, get? Yes, yes, yes. Okay. You only
2: get paid based on what place you get. But your sponsor will, and also will give you a bonus for that uh, place you get. But if it's a world championship or Olympic team, the USATF, our US uh-huh. organization, takes care of everything. So they get you there. They pay for accommodation. Okay. So there's no expense to you uh-huh. once you've made the team. Uh-huh. And then, of course, your money's just based on your performance um, when you get there.
1: I did not know that. Yes. I knew sponsors, but I was yeah. like, I didn't know how... Mm-hmm. So that was your job.
2: Oh yeah, full-time. Yeah, I was a full-time track and field athlete and I was, Nike took really good care of me. And then I was also fortunate on Olympic cycles to work with some really big brands like Coca-Cola and BMW and BP and all these brands. Well, of sponsor. course you were. They're like,
1: this girl is winning gold medals hey, left hey. And right. <laughs> <laughs> they, yeah.
2: Yeah, so that, that's how it works as well.
1: Okay. Now, when you're on the um, 4x4, yes, which I'll explain to people who don't know, it's, um, it's a relay Four people. Each person runs one lap around the track. Yep. Four times 400. You got um, it. <laughs> are you also competing against your teammates in the 400? Yes, yes, yes. But yes. then those are your girls. Right. Tell me about that.
2: <laughs> it's, Jamie, it's a very interesting dynamic um, that is a little bit hard to describe because it's, it's, it's on one hand when you're, comp- and we compete against each other first, right? So the individual, the open, yeah, uh-huh. exactly. The individual events are first. And so, you know, in that case, I want to beat them. You know, I want to be the best. I want to stay on top of the podium. Many times my teammates on the 4x4, I, we don't train together. So we don't have, we don't build that kind of long lasting camaraderie. Oh, really? No, like we, you know, I train so here. So
1: you trained at?
2: Yeah, I trained at Baylor yeah. with um, Coach Clyde Hart for my entire career, professional career. And many of my teammates trained in California. Okay, so or- stop real quick.
1: <laughs> So I did not know that. Yeah. And so then when you go try out for the yeah. Olympics, because we watched the Olympic trials, right. you try out and then yeah. they put together the four best women. Exactly. Is and that sometimes the first time you meet them or you no, know them because yeah. y'all race against Absolutely. each other? Absolutely.
2: Most of these girls have been running each other since we're 15, 16, 17 years old. At the Junior Olympics. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> where, where you and I compete when against each other. Yeah, yeah, I'm a little bit older
1: than you. But, um, <laughs> I, uh, side note, mm-hmm. w- in the Junior Olympics... When I when we ran third in the four by four, I was the only white girl on the podium. Really, what up? What up? Shout out to Jamie. Shout out. um, (laughs) So. You meet yeah. for the trials and mm-hmm. then do you train together before you go to London? No. Oh my
2: gosh. Mm-mm. So we don't train together and especially the 4 by one relay, which of course, shorter relay, it's not it's a blind handoff. Uh-huh. They need more chemistry. Uh-huh. They go over early to training camp and they practice. Okay. The 4 by 4 is, you know, is not a blind handoff. We don't, we, and many of us have been running the 4 by 4s our it's, entire, can you know, sleep. we can yeah. do in our sleep. So we just go back to our regularly scheduled programs, get wow. back with our coach. We keep on training for the individual and then we get together. Okay, so, time out
1: one more thing. Sure. Do you know what, leg you're going to run
2: most of the times we do like the four by four is pretty it's pretty much like the person who's the best is going to run anchor that's you
1: (laughs) (laughs) yeah so you you always knew i'm probably going to be anchor exactly got it yep
2: and then and then yeah so we always kind of knew there was there wasn't a lot of politics and stuff in the four by four the four by one is a little bit different because they're much more evenly matched and you do have to have chemistry so sometimes the best the fastest four don't have the best chemistry so that's a different Different yeah Yeah. so this the four by four kind of always just kind of easily panned out. And so you talk about what the dynamic was like of of competing against these women and then competing with them. And so you think about you're at the Olympics and you want to win, you know, like all of us have been training really hard. We're all supremely talented. And there is that, you know, competitiveness. That even though we are in the same dorms, I mean, we're not warming up together. We're not talking. You're doing before, your own we're thing. doing our own thing. We're in our zone. And then you go to the back. And many people don't know this: at the Olympics, you check in an hour before you race. So we warm up, and then we're going through this check-in process where we're in this location, and you're with these seven women this entire time. And there's like head, they've
1: I'm, got the whole heat together, exactly. Yeah. So. Are there heats in the
2: Olympics? Yeah. Until okay, the finals. Okay. Then okay, the final round, there's only one. So we play we run three rounds. Okay. So there's multiple heats, so there's tons of you know, of um of heats, and yeah. then it narrows down to three. And then the final one, of course, is one race. So I picture you with your headphones in the zone exactly. not talking to anybody. Yeah, you don't talk to and these are these are girls you're gonna run with in a week together. So is your coach with you or you're by nope, yourself? by yourself. In there by yourself, and this is so interesting to yeah, me. Okay, keep
1: going. So you're going yeah. through the check-in, which
2: is an hour, an hour after long. warm-up. Yep, I'm thinking about your body. Yeah, exactly. Well, and it's only the Olympics that does that, and of course we they have to right because this thing has to run because we're on TV. We're on TV yeah. time. Like this is, you know millions and millions of people watching so they want to make sure they have us and we're, we're, they, they, we are where they want us to be at these times yes. and everything is running like clockwork and so of course we get used to it after a while so we're still doing a lot of us are still doing parts of our warm-up in the back okay. um, before we go out so yeah it's very intense and you know you're, you're it's funny because of course you're hoping that on that day you're better than your teammates but then now when that's all done and that's been decided and you know we stand on the podium however that plays out now you're hoping your teammates are better than everyone. Yeah. Exactly. you want them to be the best that they could be, yeah. shoot better than you yeah, on that day. Fine. You yeah. know that's fine, and so it's an interesting dynamic, and you learn that, you know, the better that they are, is the better that I am, For right? Sure. And mm-hmm. so you you then in the relay, you get a chance to appreciate their talent as opposed to being like, I hope she doesn't run her best best race yeah, today. You right. know, which I think is a really cool thing that I learned. Um, as being a part of a team and now that I've transitioned out and I'm doing businesses and stuff, it's like, man, like I can see someone's potential and see what they bring to the table and really value that as a part of my team and not feel like, oh, it's kind of overshadowing me or whatever. It just makes me feel more empowered and helps me to want to be greater.
1: I love that. I think I always say like, everything's better together. Teamwork makes the dream work. Like We can do this. And and so when you do the four by four and you're a team, you really get to feel like, Everyone, I want you to bring your best today. Absolutely, absolutely. Did you, what was like the craziest thing that ever happened at the Olympics? Um, well. Okay, so not with you, but okay. is it true mm-hmm. the crazy things happen? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah, and it's so funny because I wasn't aware What do of they it? call that? The Olympic the Village. The Olympic Village,
2: which the way I would describe the Olympic Village, other than what people are, and what we are alluding to and we'll talk about too, is I thought like for me, like that's almost the best part of the Olympics for me. The first day I walked to Olympic Village, I'm like it's it feels like a utopia. Because think about it. Representatives from every country in the world. Mm. And then there is Jamie, this feeling of hope. And positivity that's almost palpable. Like you can just bite it. Like because it's everybody's there. Everybody's to like there, their thinking, their, thinking they're gonna win. Yes. So can you imagine that energy? Like it's like the best. And then of course it kind of starts to because like, people get injured uh-huh. and lose, and but it's like it's you the can, best of every country. It's the best of every country, right. and so that's the part that that's part I'll miss. Like going to Olympic Village and being around other can athletes. You describe like that. Olympic Village, because sure. I'm picturing like. A big open area where everyone hangs out, but I don't get it. Really. No, no. So think about it more as like a dorm room. So what it is, is where we live. Okay. So it's this huge and every, every country goes a little bit different. Like in Beijing, it was crazy. They spent a lot of money. Okay. London was really nice. They're all really, really nice. Beijing was probably the craziest where they built like makeshift ponds and they make it like a community. So you have, we have where our, where our housing is, which is like dorm setup. Uh-huh. Um, but nice dorms, and then we have where we eat, like restaurants, and then they have shopping areas where you can get nail your nails done. Like, like, this like, just for the Olympians, just for the Olympians. So we can get our do our laundry, like just think about because we're yeah. there for a month. Okay. So they give us every all of the creature comforts that we uh-huh. need on the compound because, of course, there's tremendous security. Like uh-huh. your your mom and dad aren't just coming in and out. Like you have to register them. You have is to your go husband to the front. coming in? No, no, no. Everyone who comes in has to be registered before you surrender your passport. It's a big deal because you of don't course,
1: stay with your husband. No, he's got a hotel room someplace. Else. Exactly, exactly. No he one just else comes in for the race, maybe, or is he there the whole month?
2: No, no, no. My husband actually only came to one Olympics because of football oh, stuff, and he was there for two days like he just saw the yeah. final my family so he though was
1: watching you on tv
2: yeah yeah my husband my first two olympics he didn't come
1: wow.
2: that's the third one he came to and the third one was a charm so it's there all good go. but you needed yeah, your so baby there i did what so i always <laughs> tell him but yeah no it's 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 a place just for us okay i got it and so you know we we live there we do everything there the only, the only sport that usually isn't there is the men's basketball uh, the U.S. men's basketball team and usually because they're just so wildly popular that they oh, just because can't because all
1: these professional, I mean exactly. you're a professional athlete too but you sure. know what I mean
2: like yeah. in NBA Yeah, I mean yeah. LeBron James like, yeah. a, imagine he won't be he wouldn't be able to make it from his room to exactly. a, a, any day Yeah. so the men's basketball team and like usually it's like Serena like some of the bigger bigger mm-hmm. bigger, biggest stars in the world that so they're playing they're not going to be there Yeah. I did, when Serena competed with Venus they were there a few times and I, we saw them yeah. but for the most part the biggest, biggest Like the big huge stars aren't going to stay there just because I mean there's some countries who send athletes who aren't technically professional athletes so this for them is just like a fun trip right like
1: they're going to find LeBron James and all they're going to do is find the stars and take pictures we don't need any of that yeah so how cool is
2: Serena Williams right now oh man how how can you not love Serena Williams how
1: can you not I know
2: how can you not she's just she's incredible and I'm fortunate to know her a little bit and to be able to talk to her every now and then and she's just a wonderful wonderful human being and to see her bounce back from everything she's been through. Cause I mean, her delivery was not easy. You know, she shared her story and um, her and I talked about that as well. And so, yeah, I just think she's just a living superhero. Yeah.
1: Like literally. You guys, I know you're loving hearing all about Sonia and her amazing stuff that she's done in her life, but I want to take a minute to thank our sponsors for the show because they really help the happy hour happen every single week. The first sponsor I wanna thank is Molecule. Here's what I want you to do. Imagine if your phone was the same as it was in the 1940s. I I know, the 1940s. Well, that's exactly when the technology that you're using to clean your air was developed with the invention of the HEPA filter. Thankfully, Molecule has introduced a breakthrough science that is finally capable of destroying air pollutants at a molecular level. Molecule's PECO technology goes beyond HEPA filtration It captures and completely destroys the full spectrum of indoor air pollutants, including those 1,000 times smaller than what a HEPA filter can catch. In fact, you guys, in a study of 49 allergy sufferers presented at the American College of Asthma, Allergy and Immunology, Molecules Technology provided dramatic, statistically significant symptom reduction within a week of use one week you guys one customer even said that she was able to breathe through her nose for the first time in 15 years and molecule doesn't just have groundbreaking technology on the inside it creates a complete and clean air purification experience from the materials used on the device like it's sleek solid aluminum shell to a streamlined filter subscription with replacement filters arriving at your doorstep right when you need them For your $75 off your first order, visit Molecule.com. That's M-O-L-E-K-U-L-E, Molecule.com, and enter the code Jamie at checkout. Molecule, the air you were meant to breathe is finally here. Guys, I also want to thank Noonday Collection. So my friend Jessica Honiger is actually the founder and CEO of Noonday. And if you remember, she was on episode number 206. So go back and listen. But we want to tell you about an incredible opportunity to make a global impact while gathering your girlfriends. Okay, Jessica, let's talk about becoming a Noonday Collection ambassador. We started the Noonday Collection Ambassador Opportunity for women like you. Are you hungry to make an impact in the world? Are you looking to earn an additional income? Are you wanting to help grow leaders and help others rise up into their potential? Are you wanting to get a stamp in your passport and travel the world with me? Are you wanting to come to our conference in Austin and hang out with Jamie Ivey? That is why we started the Ambassador Opportunity. We would love for you to join us in becoming a social entrepreneur to earn an income while making an impact. I love it, Jessica. And if I didn't already have a job, you know I'd be with you. Um, I love Noonday Collection Ambassadors, and I'm excited to share with you guys that if you decide to join the Noonday Ambassador community by the end of October, you're going to get my favorite piece from the new fall collection, the feathered fringe earrings in blush, which is like my new favorite color these days, made in India. You can find out more and see an exclusive video from me over at noondaycollection.com slash Jamie Ivy
2: you're done though with yes sports yeah yeah i mean i think like i told you with my toe injury if my toe would have allowed me to continue competing i might have kept going but like i said at, at some point i had to decide you know i think i think god gives us our gifts for a reason and for a season and I think that one of the greatest things we can do is recognize when that season Seasoned is over, over. And, and thank God for it and give it back to him. And mm-hmm. so I'll never forget in 2016, before the season started, I, I, had, I wrote a letter to God, a private letter, thanking him for this gift. Is that a practice you do often? No, and it's I haven't done it since. Okay. It's just that track and field had meant so much to yeah. me. It felt like the right thing to do, yeah. you know? Uh-huh. And so... And I just thanked him for it. And I said, you know, God, like I, no matter what happens this season, this is going to be my last season. And I thank you for this. And I, and I give my gift back to you, mm. you know, and it, I, and, and I realized in that moment because I was, I was able to have a really pretty seamless transition from sport to, I got invited um, like the day after I didn't make the team to come and commentate. And then I went to Rio anyway as a commentator. And I knew that was God. Mm. I knew it was because I had the courage to let go, yeah. to move on, to tell him, thank you. And, and to say, yeah, it's over. It's yeah. over as much as I love it, as much as if it were in my power, I may have another surgery and try again because I know I could do it. It was time to say thank yeah. you and let it go. And, and I think God rewarded that mm. obedience. And um and so things have been really good for me. So I think to go back on that would be almost disingenuous to, yeah. you know, that conversation yeah. and promise I kind of gave yeah. to God. So, yeah, I'm at peace about it.
1: What was commentating like?
2: Commentating was so much fun. It was so much fun because it allowed me to contribute to my job. You're you're still in it. Exactly. Now I'm contributing to the sport in a different way. And it's like, for me, I, I had, been consuming the sport since I was nine. Yeah, And there are many times I'm like, well, they should have said this, you know, like, why didn't they tell the people about this part? Of, about? So now I get to be that insight and that voice. And what's even more amazing is I'm the first woman in the booth in the past 20 years in track Stop. and field. Yeah, they hadn't had a woman for 20 years in the booth, just all men. Who was so before you? Do you know? Yeah, her name is... Um, Carol Lewis okay. Carol Lewis was in the booth and she competed uh, she was also an athlete too and so to be able to now step in in that mm-hmm. play space and to be able to Go to the back, do the research, talk to athletes like, and share with the, the, the listeners. Yeah. Hey, this woman is a computer engineer. Like, you know, the depth of this woman. These are
1: my favorite things to hear.
2: Exactly. Like far beyond what you're seeing here is that yes. she's a mom or she's a computer engineer or she went to Harvard or she's doing this or, you
1: know, it's just, just random things exactly. that make you go. So whenever the I, I love football, it's my mm-hmm. favorite sport to watch. Mm-hmm. NFL is not my favorite. Yeah. I just I'd rather watch college. Sure. They're like kids, you know. Yeah. We can say they're kids, right? <laughs> <laughs> they think they're grown. Of course. But whenever the Super Bowl's on, mm-hmm. they always do some kind of story on somebody. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's the best part. And then all of a sudden I'm like, that's who I'm going for. I love that guy. Yeah. I hope I'm, they win. I hope they win. Yeah. I'm mean, i in with him. Exactly. Yeah. And you remember those things. Yeah. Like I remember, you know, stories that they've done on, yeah. you know, other guys and I remember sure. them.
2: Yeah. No, I think that's what, even for the Olympics, that's what a lot of people, when they connect with us, is because... NBC took the time to come down and do all this stuff. Like a lot of people knew my story with my husband Mm -hmm. and that's why they fell in love with me or whatever it was. I was from Jamaica or I love to this, I love to that. So I think it is important to add that color because we're all connected in some way. We all have something that makes us similar. So I try to, that's the part that I love about it Mm -hmm. is doing that research and making that person come to life because sometimes they're on the track for 11 seconds or 50 seconds. So
1: how much can you know about that person in that time? So it's been really, really fun. Um, Okay, so... I also want to talk to you about this real yeah. quick. Um, in your book, you talk about one of your lowest moments. Yeah. Um, you've had a, a bunch of high moments. Yeah. A bunch of amazing things, you know, yeah. once in a lifetime, one person in the giant stadium. <laughs> right. Would, would
2: understand.
1: Uh, but you've also had some really low moments. Yeah. So tell me about one of your lowest moments. Yeah. So, you know, it's really hard um, still sometimes
2: for me to share this story. And when I was writing my book, I was very prayerful. You know, I was asking God, what can I do, what can I write about that will hopefully meet somebody right where they are, um, allow me to be transparent and vulnerable um, enough to kind of get out of the way and to share something that I know is hard for a lot of women especially to deal with. And so I literally wrote this chapter last because <laughs> I was afraid. I didn't want to share it. Um, but when I named my book, Chasing Grace, um, which happened throughout the process of writing it, I thought it would be disingenuous to share about what grace looked like for me if I didn't share the moment in my life where I felt God's grace most profoundly. And so um, in 2008, I was having the most amazing season. I was undefeated. And was headed to Beijing as the favorite to win gold. This your
1: professional season? Yeah.
2: yeah. Oh yeah. yeah. Beijing. Yeah. Yeah. I I turned pro and became professional in 2004. Okay, and so th- four years. So I've been four years athlete. in exactly. Uh-huh. Technically three, because 2005 was my first year. with well, five, six, seven. Yeah, so my fourth year. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And um and I mean I was just killing it, doing great. And right before I was about to head to Beijing, the week before, or maybe a month, somewhere in that time, I found out I was pregnant, and. Um, it literally felt like for me, it's like my whole life, I feel like, you know, other than a little white lie and all that stuff, I was like, you know, I'm just kind of living this amazing life and honoring God. And I never, ever, 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 ever thought I'd be in that situation where I would do something that I thought I would never, ever, ever do. And so the day before I boarded my flight to Beijing, I had an abortion. So you're
1: heading to the Olympics. Yeah. Yeah.
2: I literally, and this is not an exaggeration. This is the truth. I have an abortion the day before I get on a flight to the Olympics.
1: And I'm assuming this is Aaron. Yes. Does he know? Yeah, yeah, yeah.
2: Of course. So, um, so my husband was actually we were we were engaged at the time. We weren't married yet, mm-hmm. and um, he was actually already gone away to Football training camp. Training camp uh-huh. He literally probably left three or four days prior to all this happening. He wasn't with me when I found out. Um, and so. I call him and I share this in my book too, because I think that sometimes the burden falls so heavily on women when it's two people involved. Two people. yeah. And because my husband's also a man of faith, um, I feel like he never, we never ever spoke about it. We never said the words. It was just kind of this silence and, you know? And so, and there was a, it it plagued our relationship for a while. Like even when I was writing this book, we had to, we had like a real breakdown about this. And I realized that he was also carrying a lot of hurt and misconceptions and untruths that he carried because of the, of this situation we went through too. So it was very healing for us to both go through this process of writing. And so I get on the plane and I am just broken. I'm broken. Like I feel like you I, I crossed the line for myself that i never thought i would mm-hmm. and i do i literally felt like unredeemable it's like mm-hmm. you know it, it it felt like the right thing to do because i believe that this is what god wanted for me like everything pointed the point to the me Olympics. to be an olympic champion like i when i was nine i had i knew i was gonna be an olympic champion i know god gives us our dreams and it's like why would i be in this situation and it was really hard for me, as you can imagine. And so I get to Beijing, and for the first time in my entire life, I don't feel like I'm just outrunning seven other women. I feel like I'm outrunning my own shame and disappointment, and just the burden and weight of it all was just too much. And so I end up finishing third in that race. And. Um, and I almost feel like a part of me like almost sabotage myself like I felt like it was almost like my sorry like I don't deserve the gold medal because i'm not a ch- I'm not a champion anymore i'm I'm this kind of scarred woman, and so I'll never forget it um and I share this in my book i I'm broken, I am like bawling and i it's so funny how people sometimes don't know what we're we don't know what, what we're going through and at the time, there was no social media. But I got all these emails because people saw me on the podium and I was literally bawling. Mm. And people are like, you're, you're a disgrace to America. You're an ungrateful winner. You won the bronze, why are you? And it was so much more than that. Like I could be gracious in defeat, but it was way more than just that you loss. You had just been through. Yeah, yeah, I had been through an emotional loss, a spiritual loss, mm. and now a physical loss. And so I just felt like my world was crashing down and so I get on the bus, so 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 like I told you, the and athletes Aaron's the, not there and with Aaron's you. not there, right? My mom and sister are there, my aunts and I had a lot of family there. But and they husband, don't know. My mom and my sister knew. No one else knew. My coach didn't know. You told them. Yeah, my mom and sister, are my best friends, like they knew. Mm-hmm. Uh, my dad didn't even know. My dad didn't know for many years. Yeah. Um, and so they were all like, "What happened to this girl? Like, she's a mental case. Like, how could she? Like, I, I should have won by fifty meters, not just one. Right. I should have buried them. Yeah. You know. And so. I'll never forget. I get on a bus um, because the option is to go to the village or to go to my family. I don't want to be in the village because everyone's going to ask me what you yeah, know. yeah. So I jump on this bus and it's not an Olympic bus because it's not taken to the village. Uh-huh. So I'm on a public bus and I'm in the back and I'm still crying, can barely even see through my eyes. And I look around, and I realize I don't think I'm going in the right direction. So I get off the bus and now I am, it's like my internal turmoil is now my i'm lost i'm like i'm in a foreign country no one speaks my language so my internal experience is now my external experience as well and i tell you not jamie and this is i know for sure no one can ever tell me that god is not real i literally felt the loving arms of jesus wrap around me and hug me like like almost like he was physically there with me i felt him and he said i forgive you (sighs) like deep in my heart just i forgive you and It's like he forgave me before I even had the courage to ask him. I hadn't even been able to confront God. I hadn't even been able to turn back and say, I'm sorry, because I was acting like it didn't happen, Mm -hmm. like just running away from that experience. And so it was such a huge turning point in my life because I realized in that moment that I can't do life without God. Mm -hmm. I am just like everyone else. I will fall into sin. I I can do anything that any other man could do unless I constantly turn back to God and I invite him in on every part of my journey. You know, and so it was probably one of the you know most amazing experiences of my life after having one of the worst experiences yeah, of my life, yeah. and then to kind of seal that whole experience for me because I didn't I didn't I, the relay comes three or four days later I didn't even want to run I didn't want to get on the track I was and you're on the team of course I'm yeah. the anchor leg yeah I'm still I'm third but I'm still the best American the next American in the race was. I was the only American that made the finals, so okay. I'm the best, You're the best American. So I'm the Amer- I'm the anchor leg for this team, and I'm telling my mom, I can't do it. I can't go back out there. I cannot do it. I am too broken. I cannot run, and my mom is like, "You will. You can do this. You will overcome this. You're fine. You can do this. You're prepared." And so I get out there, and I'll never forget. You still haven't told your coach. No, my my my, my coach didn't know until I wrote the book my coach didn't know my i didn't and I didn't. then he's like
1: oh this makes sense now it makes sense <laughs> yeah. the whole
2: world is like it makes sense uh-huh. you know like well at least the people that follow the sport yeah. and knew at the time how good i was and so i get back on the track and for the first time in my career and mind you the olympics happen every four years but we run worlds and all this stuff yeah. so i'm running anchor leg for years and years and years for the first time in my career i get the baton behind the russian team and the russian team is a really good team and I'm deep in my spirit, I'm Like I am leaving Beijing with a gold medal. Like I know what I came here to do. I know what I'm capable of. And so I get the baton and behind. And I far behind. Um, we're probably about 15 meters behind. Okay. And this woman is good. Like the woman, she got faith in the 400. So I'm third. She's, she's fifth. Sh- yeah. And you get good. a 15 meter head start. Yeah. You know. And only good people at the Olympics. Let's be absolutely. Honest, right? Let's on, be yeah. honest. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, fourth leg. So, yeah. Exactly. And <laughs> on anchor leg. Yeah. Yeah. So she's 15 meters ahead. Of, 15 meters ahead of me. So I close the gap a little bit, and then I settle. And the last part of the race, I come off the turn. I'm still behind. I literally don't pass her until the last 15 minutes of the race. You're coming around already. Coming around. Coming on the home stretch. Still behind. And I and I pull out, thinking I'm gonna pass her right away. And this woman finds another gear. She in, yeah. And I'm like, oh my gosh! But I don't lose focus. I keep my eyes on the finish line. And like with 15 meters to go, I pass her, and we win gold. And I feel like this is how much God loves us. Mm. He's willing to run us down. He's willing to get us the victory. And it just kind of brought everything full circle to me that that's how much God cares about us is that he wants us to have the victory. God never wanted me to lose that gold medal. He Mm. still wanted me to be victorious, but he did want to get my attention. Mm. And he did want me to understand that I am not better than anybody else because I can run fast. Any of those things, I'm only great because of him. Mm. And so... Yeah, that's the, that was the toughest part of my life, but also one of the most rewarding times is That in
1: is a... I mean, even just like I'm sitting here and I'm listening and I've never had an abortion or experience. I've talked to many people. Yeah. I've talked to people on the show that have. Mm-hmm. But even the fact that you got on a plane the next day, yeah. um, not to go to your grandma's house, not to go back right. to ninth grade, not to go finish your senior year of college, yeah. but to go run in the Olympics yeah. from a body standpoint. Absolutely
2: is crazy. Absolutely. And it's funny until like, I did not remember that part of it because the doctor said I shouldn't do anything for 14 days. And I'm I was sure like, well, you that's did. Yeah, I <laughs> mean, <laughs> that <yeah>. can happen. <laughs> I got something to do. Yeah, in 14 I got days. something
1: to do. Yeah, so you got to even, see me on the TV. Exactly.
2: So even physically, yeah. I shouldn't have been doing that. And, and and it's it's crazy because when I got to Beijing, because it, it was like a day travel. Uh-huh. So probably two days between by the time that happened, I'm actually settled in Beijing. My coach wanted me to go train the next day. So I told him I wasn't feeling well to at least give myself one day. day off. I got
1: three out of at least four days
2: out of 14, three out of 14 Uh days. It's supposed to be no activity. And then I'm back out there. So it's just in so many ways, it was just so much going on emotionally and physically. Yeah. yeah.
1: You know, when I hear stories like this and I have a a similar story, I got pregnant in college twice. Mm -hmm. I actually didn't have an abortion. I had lost two babies. So similar stories and what I am proud of you for. And I can say in a weird way, proud of myself is that when we share our stories like this and when we're vulnerable yeah. with the hard things, mm-hmm. it's when other women go, okay, if God can still love her, right. he can still love me. Absolutely. And that has been
2: the greatest part for me. Of course, in the beginning, I got some hate mail and stuff. I knew that was coming. So I was prepared for that. God already, I already, already dealt with that. But when I tell you the women mm-hmm. that have reached yep. out to me and said, thank you yeah. so much because I, that's my story. Yeah. And I'm afraid to tell this person. I'm afraid to tell that person. I haven't turned back to God. I have not said, I'm sorry. And now I know what I need to do to at least start that road to recovery. Because you're always still healing from that. It's never totally over. And, you know, and for me, it's like, I know, I know that God has forgiven me, but it's about forgiving ourselves mm-hmm. and moving beyond that and knowing that we aren't going to be measured based on our worst mistakes and our decisions we're so much more than that and so that's been the best part for me is being able to help those women to navigate what it's like because yeah no one talks about it how did you and Aaron deal with that after we wrote the book or during the time during the time i mean i'm kind of like y'all just like it didn't happen exactly jamie excuse me um for a very long time we act like it never happened and i just lived with this little thing that i always felt that i couldn't quite shake Uh and it's like but i wasn't confronting it and so i wrote so you my just
1: stuff it stuff just it just stuff keep stuffing it i had a girl on the show that had two abortions in her life and she said that it wasn't until she got sober yeah. that she even remembered the second one wow. not like she was like out of it right but she pushed it so, so far, far down. down yeah that mm-hmm. literally it wasn't until she got sober that she went i've actually had two abortions yeah and I know. I mean, yeah. it sounds different, but right, just, you just kind of push it.
2: You just push it. You just push it because no one knows. Like you go to like you. It, it's not like I'm walking around and you know. Mm-hmm. So I don't have to deal with. It. I don't have to confront
1: it. And you and Aaron are in two different continents. Yeah, exactly. So you get back together mm-hmm. and
2: it never happened. You know, we don't even talk about the hurt and the everything. And I'll be honest with you too. It's like it's it's. And I know I got in trouble for saying it a certain way before, but they're in in women's sport it happens mm. so there are my peers who i've heard who who did it and they're like you do and, what yes, you gotta do. exactly so then and in the book i write that you make this decision just thinking that's what you do to fix it and you don't realize the ramifications yeah. and the
1: weight of it mm-hmm. until much later yeah because so, in a sense this wasn't the first time you would have you would you wouldn't have gone oh i wonder what other people have done right you would have known you're right
2: exactly you take care of it right because i've heard people talk about it before that, like, briefly like you know that happened and it's just like whoa and it's just like you move on and and so yeah so, so you decide to
1: write about it yeah so you and aaron have to confront it exactly what it, what was that like
2: yeah so when i talked to him about it because god just kept placing on my heart like you need to talk you know you need to do this to... so i said baby how do you feel about me writing about 2008 he knew what you meant of course mm-hmm. and he was like well you know, if you feel like God wants you to do that, I think you should. So even then, we didn't really talk about it. And then I start writing, mm-hmm. and I start, and I record, and I talk about it, and I and I'm going through. And this. You have to go back. You have to go That's back I there. You have, writing to a book. you have
1: to go back you to live those emotions. Yeah.
2: And you know, the, the part for me that made it even more real was I journaled. So I had written, I wrote oh. already in the moment. Uh-huh. So those feelings were so e- easily accessible. I hadn't opened that journal and that part of it. it yep. But I had it, and so. Eventually I was like, you know, baby, one of my truths said that I feel is that I almost feel like you weren't really there. Like we didn't and and then and I felt like, you know, you didn't experience what I experienced. You didn't have the and then when he said to me that's not true. He said for so long, I thought we, the reason we hadn't gotten pregnant again was because of that abortion. Mm-hmm. I thought we were being punished. And I was like, oh my God, like we got to so pray again. he carried that weight. Of course, he was carrying that weight, you know, and he th- like, he's a Christian. He he had been in the church way longer than I had. His whole family grew up mm-hmm. in the church. He never thought he would do that. And so because we hadn't spoken about it, I didn't realize the burden that it yeah. was on him and vice versa. So I'll never forget, we were on the couch in our home and we literally had a, a bawling session mm-hmm. where we, we hugged and then we said a prayer and we just asked God to just forgive us, wholeheartedly forgive us, but also take the burden and the weight away from us and the untruths. And it was really a great, great moment for our relationship because I feel like we went to another level yeah. of honesty mm-hmm. and like really like having our souls communicate. Yeah. And it was and and that's honestly because we communicate very well. That's Uh why we've been together so long. That's that was the only thing that we both just kind of locked away and
1: both knew it, but
2: just didn't really deal with it. You
1: don't want to go back. Nobody wants to. You're not saying, hey, I want to go back into hurt today. Right. Exactly. But sometimes you got to You got to deal with it fully. Oh, yeah. Or else it stays there. Exactly. Well, I'm just like I know that that's gonna even yeah. if it's not abortion, sure. You know, it's something, it's something that and we feel as though like I can't come before God, or exactly. I feel used, or exactly. I feel as though if people knew this about me, what would they think? Exactly. And it's just saying, God, Jesus died absolutely for all sin, for all sin, the big, the yeah. little, all of them. Exactly. And He died once; like He, yeah. he, he took right. care of it. <laughs> exactly. You know, like it is finished. <laughs> yes, it is done. Amen to that. Um, Ah, well, thank you for sharing that. Of course. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.
0: Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, (laughs) That's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil.
1: Whether you're a morning person or a bedtime procrastinator, everyone deserves a mattress that works for their style. And you'll find the best mattress for you at Ashley. Colin Kaepernick nailed right, right. for um, to bring mm-hmm. attention to yeah. police brutality sure. against African-Americans yeah. in the States. Mm-hmm. Um, have you talked about what it would have been like had he still been in the NFL? Have you yeah. had those conversations? At oh, house? yeah.
2: Oh, yeah. Because my husband um, is also very much t- in tune with everything that's going on. And as a black woman, um, there is so much that we deal with, but there's another level for Black men. And even for me now as a mom of a young Black boy, I see and feel that hurt for moms way more deeply than I did before, because it's just quite natural. Before I was a daughter, I had never experienced what it's like to give birth to someone, to love someone, to see the potential in them, to know what kind of person they are and for that person to be misjudged by the color of their skin. So you know, for Ross and I, it's very, it it hits home. And, you know, know, Ross for sure would have wanted to be a part of that protest and he would have taken a knee for sure with Colin Kaepernick. And we have so much respect for what he has done. And, you know, I just wish that we could take out all the other layers and just get down to what the heart of the issue is and the matter is, here is a tremendously courageous young man who didn't do anything but take a knee. (laughs) I mean, what other form of protest can you do that is that almost subservient and unobstructive or intrusive? It's just, you know, it's a shame that it's been um, spun in so many ugly directions. But for us, it's all about how can we and what parts do we play in ensuring that this stuff just stops happening Mm -hmm. and that young black men get opportunities to go on and to be tried in a courtroom. That's where they need to be tried, you know, and not on the streets um, in an instance.
1: I feel some of the same feelings you feel. The difference is I've always been white, so I don't have any background of what it means to be black in America. Sure. But being the mom to two black boys, yeah. it has been completely sobering over the past couple of years. Wow, um, of fear. Yeah, of uh, I I live in fear a lot yeah. for mm-hmm. them. Right. Um, one of my sons is Haitian, and so his skin mm. is darker. Yeah. Um, and he has dreadlocks. Oh wow. And he's just all my kids are beautiful because I yeah, think they are. You of know, we're We think our kids are beautiful. But I do. I mm-hmm. I have something that. I'd never had before. Of course. And I don't ever have with my oldest son, who's right. biological. Right. Um, of that fear. Yeah. Of them being judged mm-hmm. by what they look like. Right. It's scary. It's scary. It's very scary. It's scary.
2: And you know, it's. It, I wish it's It's just funny because even as I was driving here, it's an hour drive down here, Jamie, and my mom, because I do a million things and my mom is like, what are you doing today? I know how you make time for all this stuff and you know, a big part of it, is for me, is meeting new people, having new experiences. And I think because I got to travel the world and I became a little bit more aware and conscious of different types of people, it I enjoy it. And so I was looking forward to coming down here and meeting you. And, um, and so I, I just wish that more people would do that. Like you adopting a black, I don't think, everybody needs to adopt a black baby For or a sure. white baby no. or Chinese, you know, we don't need to do that. But if we're just in community, if we just go out of our way to interact with other people that don't look like us, we would be like, oh, wow, like <laughs> this girl is just like me. You She's know? Not,
1: or or they would, that's what I have felt like as well, is yeah. like um, when you meet someone who's, yeah. and you become a relationship with someone exactly. who's different than exactly. you, is when what the media tells us or what right. the issues are, they become, you can touch that. Exactly. Exactly. I mean it's like the whole thing with, you know, the immigration that was going on yeah. in the border. Yes. If you've never met someone mm-hmm. who is from Mexico right. or who has immigrated to the United States of right. America for whatever reason, mm-hmm. those issues are just issues to right. you. Right. Exactly. Exactly. But when you meet someone yeah and, and you see them, mm-hmm. you know, every two weeks for whatever you do in your right. life and they say, Yeah, when I was four, my parents brought me over. I've right. lived here my whole life. I have a college education. Exactly. It's and different. It's different. It's
2: different. It's no longer an issue. It's real. It's real. It's real. And you feel, you know how it, it really impacts people. And so just signing a law or just issuing this statement, it's different when you're like, man, like this could affect my friend yeah. who is a great, great person, as much a citizen as I am. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, I migrated here. Mm-hmm. I mean, I am a natural, yep. I'm a naturalized citizen. But on my whole thing is on some level we all did like just because everybody everybody did like just because i am one year my I'm, I'm first generation is it different or my son it doesn't matter right. in the grand scheme of things we're all the same yep. and we all I want the same things just I to know. be happy and
1: have you seen the musical hamilton not yet it seems like a weird connection here but let me tell you real quick yeah so do you okay so we saw it this year awesome the entire cast yeah. is made up of of minority culture Right, okay? I know that part, yeah. It's amazing. Yeah, I've heard. It's it's worth every penny that you would possibly pay to yeah. go see it. My husband told me that the reason they did that, because it's based also, they play characters who are not minorities. But, right. But they, the and I hope I get this right. Someone mm-hmm. will correct me because you know, yeah. people will correct <laughs> oh, you if yes. you say something <laughs> wrong. But my husband told me that they did that on purpose to show that everybody that sh- came to America in the beginning, they yeah. were all immigrants. right they all showed up here like yeah, that of course and so um i thought that is so interesting yeah. of what you just said as yeah. well as listen none of us started here yeah except for you know what i do have american indian and all so right my people hey. have been here a little bit longer <laughs> <laughs> i always like to say that listen Columbus, you didn't show up here we right, were here first exactly i love that um love well girl thank you so much thank you You guys heard Jessica Honegger and I talking about Noonday Collection, and I just want to invite you again to take that next step and consider becoming a Noonday Collection Ambassador. If you join by the end of October, you will get my favorite feather earrings that are to die for, and I wear them all the time, and you guys compliment on them all the time. Head on over to NoondayCollection.com slash Jamie Ivy to learn more. Okay, guys, there it was, my conversation with Sonya. I hope that you saw what I saw at the end of her story about her abortion experience before that 2008 Olympic. My heart was breaking as she was sharing the story with me, but my heart was also rejoicing as she was saying the forgiveness that she felt from God. I hope if you have a story like Sonia's, and it may not be abortion, it could be anything, fill in the blank, that what you'll hear when you hear her and I talk about this is not just a story of what happened, a story of what went wrong. But you'll hear a story about a faithful God who loves his kids even when we mess up. That's what we want you to hear about this. Oh, and don't worry, you guys. After we stopped recording, I totally showed her all my medals. Like a really big dork, I'm telling you. She's a four-time Olympic medalist. I have a medal from the junior Olympics in eighth grade. You know what? I embarrassed myself, but whatever. Guys, today's show is edited by Chris with Pod Shaper, and the music was developed for the show by Matt Graham. Next week, my guest is Nicole Zazowski. We sat down and Nicole shared with me about some grief that she's been walking through, but how even in the midst of that, she has joy and there is hope. It is a really great episode. Make sure you tune in next week. Guys, enjoy your week. Share the show with a girlfriend and have a happy hour with a friend.